This is episode number 157 of Music Lesson Business Academy, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about how to make sure that your message is matching your customer. We're also going to handle a little bit of lever number two, which is opt-ins. But first, after the intro, I'm going to tell you why I quit all Facebook groups, including my own. Here we go. everybody, Danny here. Welcome back to another episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. Hope everybody is doing good. So great to be back for another episode. Had a lovely day here, 85 degrees in Southern California. It was quite awesome. Went for a bike ride. What a Monday. I guess it's Tuesday now that you're listening to this, but I recorded it on Monday, so it was a really good Monday. Anyway, hope everyone's doing good out there. Got kind of an action-packed episode for you here with multiple things to cover, as I mentioned in the intro. We're going to talk about making sure that your message is matching who your customer is. It's a real easy mistake to make in our marketing, and if you get it right, though, it can really boost your traction. We'll talk about lever number two, opt-ins, how to get more people to opt-in. This episode is brought to you by NeverAloneBusinessServices.com. Chris and Jen over at Never Alone Business, they do Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, website design, and general marketing consultations for small businesses, but they come from a background of owning a music school, so they fit right into our wheelhouse. So go over to NeverLoanBusinessServices.com, check those guys out, mention you heard about it on Music Lesson Business Academy, and save a hundred bucks. This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks over at TeacherZone. TeacherZone.com for your scheduling and billing and student learning management needs. All right, let's get into the first topic of today's episode, which is why I quit Facebook groups, including my own. Here we go. All right, so here's why I'm quitting Facebook groups. Number one, they can really be a huge time suck. And I've just got so many things going on that I, I don't want something to pull me down that rabbit hole. And I, I see a lot of people spending a lot of time in Facebook groups. Um, let me paint this picture for you and see if you've ever seen this in a Facebook group. Someone will come along and they'll ask a question. What do you guys think about free trial lessons? And then 800 schools or school owners or teachers tell everybody what they're doing regarding free trial lessons. And occasionally somebody will throw in an opinion, you should do it, you shouldn't do it. When really those aren't the questions to be asking for that topic anyway. So 
the main issue that should be addressed in a question like that never really gets addressed. And then a couple months go by. And somebody comes on Facebook group and says, what do you guys think about free trial lessons? Then you get all the same answers all over again from mostly the same people. Then a couple months will go by and somebody will go, what do you think of free trial lessons? And then it's another opportunity for everybody to kind of say what they think and what they're doing in their school. And it's just so ineffective and such a poor use of information flow and time. I, I found myself experiencing those same things in other Facebook groups. So quite often, you know, if you join a high-end course, like I've done some Amy Porterfield courses and things like that, you know, they're not cheap courses. And most of them all come with like, join the, and part of the course is you get the exclusive members only Facebook group. And I can tell you that even with these high end courses, the Facebook group is a total waste of time. There's nothing helpful in there. Uh, I'm doing an AdWords course. There's a Facebook group for that. Same kind of thing. It's just not a good place to have an exchange of ideas and information. Um, you know, part of the reason that I feel this way, or, or part of the reason I would say that I think forums, although harder to maybe get into doing a forum, I mean, the reason that I stopped initially doing a forum and do, and did more of a Facebook group is because people just find it way easier to, you know, because they're on their phone, they have social media open in their phone or set to give them notifications. So it just draws them in to interacting in those Facebook groups all the time. Whereas a forum, you know, it's it's going to be hosted on a website. It's a, it's a little different kind of thing. You're probably getting a notification maybe in your email that somebody replied to your comment in a forum or something like that. But the reality is because it's harder, the information is way better. Facebook it's a free group. There's no skin in the game. You and I have no skin in that game. So what you get is a lot of just bad information. A lot of, you know, there's great people by all means. Don't get me wrong. I've made good relationships with people that I've met inside some of our groups and things of that nature. But it's, it's like three to 4% of the if there's th a thousand people on that Facebook group, it's a very small percentage that are really exchanging information and the rest are just kind of trolls or they join every single group. Sometimes people would want to join the group and I would look and they're in like 25 different music teacher groups. There's no way they're doing anything productive, you know, in doing that. They just see the group and they want to join. They just see a group and they want to join. And it's just, I've just found it to be, a real time waster. And, um, I personally, for things outside of our industry, um, I find that a forum is where I can get more real information. If I'm like, I need a web, I need a software to do this and this in a forum, I will get a much higher level of information back from the people in the forum. In most cases, um, if I'm in a bike forum or a motorcycle forum, 
you know, and I need like, hey, I can't seem to figure out this repair thing or whatever. I usually get somebody who's really, really skilled in that forum to get me the information. And I don't find that in the associated Facebook groups for those same types of things, motorcycle groups or bike groups or whatever other activities I might be doing that I'm in a group for. It just becomes like support groups. And, you know, that's not something I'm interested in doing. Um, so I shut down my own Facebook group. Music Lesson Business Academy is shut down or it's archived. I guess you can still see it when it's archived, but there's nothing happening in there. So, um, and I left every music lesson type of Facebook group. I just want to focus my efforts on the podcast. Um, for me personally, for my own uh, personal development, when I want to do a course or and looking to, you know, expand on what I do. I'm generally working outside of our industry. Um, you know, I do do some courses, you know, um, I've got some great stuff from other music lesson, you know, uh, coaches for sure i've gotten a lot of great stuff from having conversations with tim topham i've picked up some great stuff from uh from johnny and you know i might certainly go through one of their coaching courses or something along those lines but the real information flow is not going to happen in a facebook group you know and another element of all the facebook groups that are kind of related to a specific topic Whoever's doing the group ultimately tries to monetize the group, meaning, um, you know, they're going to sell a course or whatever it is. So a lot of the effort that they're putting into that group is really just to maintain a certain amount of engagement so that they can sell those people on a course. And I just, you know, I don't want to go that route. Yes, I more than happy for you to go to Music Lesson Business Academy and check out what I can offer to you. But... The podcast here is going to be the main uh, information flow for me. The Facebook group was really meant to go along with the podcast. But what I realized is, you know, of all those people on that Facebook group, most of them, almost 99% of them never really listened to the podcast. Those things were just totally separate from each other. So it, it was just a lot of redundant conversation happening over there and I just can't handle wasting time like that it like really drives me nuts so is it for you is a Facebook group for you maybe it just all depends on what you're looking to get for it from it and what your personality is if you feel like you're really gaining actionable information and what I guess I would ask you to do is take a step back and think about what you gain from the Facebook groups that you've been in and have you walked away with like actionable, like I'm going to do this today. I just got the blueprint from exactly how to go from A to B. Or, you know, is it really just kind of uh, a mix mash of different information and it, it, it never really leads you anywhere? I think it's very hard to go through that information and try to figure out what is A, real, and B, what is actually correct and is a direction for you to follow. Because you don't really know how successful the person actually has been, you know, who might be saying, oh, you should go this route. There's really no way to, to know. And, and I guess there's no way to know 
you know, in a forum really either, or even if you're purchasing a, a, a course or a coaching program, you know, it, I guess you never really know for sure. Um, but over time, I think you can, you know, the cream can rise to the top a little bit there and you have a better understanding if this person is giving you good information or not. So that would be something I would look at with a Facebook group to see if you think it's really something that's working for you or is it really just kind of a time suck and taking you away from you spending time doing things that really could positively impact not only your business, but maybe your personal life as well. And I'm not an anti-social media person. I'm not like going down that road of like social media is bad and we got to get the kids off the devices or any of that stuff. It's here to stay. I love to use it for certain things for sure that I, you know, and there's channels and pages that I love to explore. And I spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos and we're going to talk a little bit about YouTube uh, today as well. So you know, I'm not anti-social media. Uh, I just think from a business standpoint, if you're trying to grow your skills as a business person, Facebook groups, not the place to get any help. Whether it's your website, your social media channels, your blog, your YouTube channel, Facebook ads you put together, whatever it is, your messaging that you put together and you present out there has to connect with your ideal customer. If we miss that mark, we're really setting ourselves up to fail in our marketing. We could spend a lot of extra money. We could put a ton of time and effort in and get very little results. So what are things that you can do to try to ensure that your messaging is on point? One area that I think a lot of us struggle in, and, and I really went through this early on in my school's, you know, uh, history in those first few years of the school. And I see this still happening with a lot of other schools is what I thought maybe was important, right? You know, my background as a musician, uh, my credibility in the music industry from experience that I had, that that would be important to my customer. So that became a big part of my messaging. And it was so off base. It didn't resonate with anyone. The things we were putting out there, it didn't really resonate with our potential customer. So, you know, there's this fine line that you want to walk. One is, do you put some personality of who you are into your business? Absolutely, right? However, you also have to be aware of who your customer is. So for example, I can, I can use myself as an example. People will ask me quite often, like, how come there's not a bunch of stuff on your website about you and your band. You, you know, how many music school owners is, you know, is one of the owners legitimately whatever, making records and touring and all that kind of stuff, you know, not, not a lot. And, and the, I always say, well, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. It, it, a, it doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not my school or my teachers are going to be any good. And B that's just not what they're interested in. Those parents that are looking for lessons, they don't care 
what I do in my music career. They just, it just doesn't resonate with them. It resonates with a few. Yes. Occasionally, but it, it, it's not really who we're speaking to when we're looking for customers. So yes, it's in the personality of the school and it's in the overall storyline that we tell of the school of who we are and what we do. And, and yeah, so some people find it interesting as they're learning about the school that maybe I might be gone for a month on tour or something like that. But it, it's, you know, that can't be the lead off to the messaging. So when we really figured out, well, who is it that we're talking to and you know, who we are, it, it really helped to center that message. So Yes, you you want to put some of your personality into what you're doing, of course, but who you are personally and who the business really is also can be two very different things, right? If you looked at me personally, style of music I play, I wouldn't say style of music I like because I, I, I like all kinds of music and I'm all over the map with that stuff, but what I'm known for and just that image and all that stuff is so polar opposite from the school in so many ways, right? But certainly there's an element of that energy and and that personality kind of mixed into what we do. But I've really had to separate those things. So, you know, if, if you're a guru guitar player, you know, is that the customer that you're looking for? And I'm going to pick a little bit on the guitar players in this rant, because uh, you guys seem to be the ones that struggle with this <laughs> the most. So, for example, if I, as a drummer, right, who plays in a band, were making videos or anything like that for my school, and I center them as if I'm speaking to other middle-aged drummers who are in bands or something like that that's totally off the mark that from who my customer is and i see a lot of guitar videos from some of you guitar players out there that are very like this is for a more serious guitar player this is for somebody that thinks about guitar more like you do i guess that would be an easy way to think about it you can't think about what you're expressing in guitar terms as if the customer thinks about it the way you do. You have to think about it from them. So if I were going to do a drum video, I would do stuff based on, okay, if I were a beginner drummer or a kid, or if I was a mom who had a kid, what would I, you know, what would I put into that video to, to work for them? So um, a couple of good examples out there that you can look at. Um, two people that I think are, do a really good job when it comes to the video stuff. So one would be um, Lauren Bateman, her YouTube channel. She really knows who her customer is when it comes to those YouTube videos she's doing. Now, here's a really important part. <clears throat> From what I can tell, and she could correct me in the comments. Oh, I don't have a Facebook group anymore. She could send me a message. <laughs> Um, and and let me know if I'm wrong about this, but her YouTube video customer is different than 
the kids that go to her music school. And I know she has adults at her music school as well. And some of those adults probably appreciate her videos. Some teens probably appreciate it. But younger kids, that's not the audience of her YouTube channel. Because I've seen comments and, and people who really like her, you know, her YouTube videos. And I believe that there are more like beginner adults. So she knows when she makes that YouTube video, that's going to be like, okay, 500 songs. You could play with four chords, which she's got some kind of video like that that's got over a million plays. She knows that that's going to resonate, and, and that's a very good type of YouTube content video to make that will get lots of views. So now if, if you want to make a YouTube channel or do videos that are more along you know, your skill level or what you like in guitar. Uh, you know, and I might do some drum stuff that is not related to my school at all. My drum tuning course that I'm putting together and, um, you know, if I do some other videos, those wouldn't be geared towards students at my school. So I would keep that as a separate, you know, maybe this Danny Thompson YouTube channel. That wouldn't be the Music Factory's YouTube channel because I know who our customer base is. So, I think it's really important to kind of think that through. Another person who's done a really good job, it's got an up-and-coming YouTube channel, is Nate Terepka. Uh, Echo City Music Lab, check out his YouTube channel. Um, there's no paid endorsements for these YouTube channels. Totally above board here. Um, he does keyboard videos, and a lot of them are tutorials on how to play songs. And in his case, his videos do work pretty well, I think, with a good or a portion of his student base. Um, he's doing these song tutorials. They are more uh, newer pop songs based off of a lot of times recommendations or suggestions or requests from students. Um, so... If you watch those videos, the way he's presenting it and who it's for blends nicely with who his target customer is. Now, again, as he grows that YouTube channel, you know, that could go in a different direction. That might be a little bit different customer than he's, you know, utilizing uh, at his school. So when you're creating content like that, you want to be thinking about, you know, what's the plan? What's the strategy? Is this YouTube channel I'm doing meant to drive students to my music school, or is it something that I'm just sending out to my existing student base as added value and added content, or is it something totally separate that I'm going to build on its own? But either way, that message has to match who the customer is. So ask yourself a couple questions. Who am I first? Then who is my business? Do those go together? Are they somewhat separate? Or is it kind of that hybrid? And then next you got to ask, who am I speaking to? Who do I want to speak to in this marketing content that I'm about to create? Where a lot of us have the challenge is, is it an adult or is it a child? Is it an adult student or is it a parent? So much of the time, 90% of the time, in a lot of cases, it is a parent who is landing on your website or your social media or whatever it is you're putting out there. That message has to resonate with a parent who wants to get somebody to play music. 
right? So, so a, a video about, you know, here, watch these guitar tricks or watch me do these. Here's a flam paradiddle trick that'll make it twice as fast as you used to be. That None of that's going to resonate with a parent. If you're looking for adult students, you could create different kind of content. An adult student might like to get a free video lesson for putting in their email address. A parent who has a child is not interested in that in any way. So, you know, there are ways to segment those things. So even within, you know, like most of my school is kid. Well, I don't want to say most, but maybe 60 to 70% of my students are kids, but I, you know, 30% adults is still a nice student base of adults. So you can segment those emails that are going out to those students. So the email that might be going out to a potential adult guitar student could be, Hey, here's three tips to make learning to finger chords easier or, or what, whatever you want to do. You know, that same video is not really going to resonate going out to a parent who has a seven-year-old. So think about who that message is for, because we can certainly, within your one school, we can help those two separate customers, but it's up to you to make sure that messaging is hitting the right person with the right message. This is the place where the Seven Levers theme song goes. All right, so today's lever, we're going to talk about lever number two, which is opt-ins. Could be opting into a form on your website, could be opting into a, a tour of your school. There's lots of ways to look at opt-ins. What we're going to talk about today goes hand-in-hand hand with the subject matter that we've been dealing with, which is the marketing message. So what I want you to think about today is how are you going to get people to opt-in on your website to give you an email address, right? So maybe this isn't a person that's ready to sign up today. This is a transitional offer so that you can build an email address, uh, an email database. And we've all struggled with this because we all go down that road of, I'll give away free lessons. I'll give away this. And the reason that that doesn't work very well, like we just mentioned, 80% of those people hitting your website is a parent. They don't care about a free drum lesson, right? What can you make for a parent that would get them to put their email address in? So one thing that I actually have had really good uh, success with in the past, and we kind of just recently brought something similar back, and it kind of sparked me to like want to do it again for more instruments, is we did a buyer's guide. So my new DJ instructor created a DJ controller buyer's guide. So it's a downloadable PDF that now I can put into marketing information that goes out regarding DJ lessons. Um, I can even, I've made it a clickable link in one of my Google ads. It's one of the site links is get your free guide. So it goes into active campaign, it tags them, it builds the list for me. I can put them into other automations at that point. So that's something that parents often have a question about. What should we do for the guitar? I don't like, what do we get them for a drum kit? I have no idea. So we used to do like a gear guide or a buyer's guide. And that is something that parents will put an email address in. So if you're struggling to come up with an offer, a transitional secondary offer to get people's email addresses so that you can market to them later, which everybody should be doing, right? Maybe try doing 
Enter your email address here to get our free beginner guitars buyer's guide. Everything your child will need to get off to a good start in guitar lessons or drum lessons or piano lessons, something along those lines. All right, that's lever number two. That's opt-ins. Okay, guys, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this lesson. Lesson. I can't even stop thinking about making marketing materials for my school. I said lesson. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> this episode of Music Lesson Business Academy. Hop on over to musiclessonbusinessacademy.com if you would like to get more help in your marketing. You can check out the courses over there. And I have two different coaching programs, entry level and ultra elite, super cool guy coaching programs. See what is best for you. All right, guys, have a great one till next week. Take it easy.